If you will, turn in the Scriptures to Psalm 125. Psalm 125. And the title, title of the message will be, Peace Be Upon Israel. Peace Be Upon Israel. This is, a, this is one of 15 uh, what are called the Songs of Degrees or the Songs of Ascent. And um, some say that, that they're named this way because the Jews, when they would travel three times a year for festivals, would sing these songs as they're making that trek up the mountain to Jerusalem. They would sing these songs of praise or songs of thanksgiving or songs of intercession or songs of, of just praise for deliverance from their enemies as they go up uh, the mountain. And the author or the, in the background of the psalm is not known, but it is believed this possibly, probably after um, the Jews were freed from Babylonian captivity and they were in the midst of rebuilding the temple there at, at Jerusalem. And I hope, my, my hope and prayer for the message tonight is that it will be an encouraging message to believers in Jesus Christ, to the Israel of God, as Paul would say in Galatians, to the spiritual Israel. I hope it really ties in with Brother Isaac's message from last Sunday on Jesus as our protector. Um, this is a psalm of, it screams of confidence and um, the protection that is found from God to believers in Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk to you, believer. You need, I said this about the message from Colossians, this has nothing to do with me, but I can assure you that you and I need this message tonight. You need this message from Psalm 125, whether the Lord blesses me or not. We need this message because we need to be reminded in the midst of a crazy, changing um, world that completely lacks peace, a, a world that is in complete disarray and confusion, you need to be reminded, believer, that you are safe in the arms of Jesus. And if you are here and, if, and you may not be a believer in Jesus Christ, or you, you may not be following the Lord as you ought, you need to be reminded that you're not going to find fulfillment in anything or any place other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to read Psalm 125. It's only five verses. And I've broken it down into three, three sections. And these aren't inspired. These just help me as I read and studied through this. The first three verses, verses 1 through 3, I called it a promise of protection for the righteous. A promise of protection for the righteous. Then verse 4, I call it a prayer for the upright. And then verse 5, the final verse, is a warning to the wicked, and then one final promise of peace. So let's read Psalm 125. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people from henceforth even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside into their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. But peace shall be upon Israel. So the first three verses, a promise of protection for the righteous and 
I've just been kind of in awe of God's creation lately. I got to spend uh, three or four days at the beach enjoying the ocean and just enjoying the, the, just the amazing wonder of God's creation and thinking about how um, Brother Zach always talks about the verse from John that says he giveth grace for grace and thinking about how it's the way, like a wave of an ocean. Grace, another wave of grace, another wave of grace. Well, then I got to spend a couple days or a, a day and a half just enjoying the wonder of the mountains. Just it truly is. I truly was in awe of the glory and power of God in the mountains of, of Georgia and Tennessee. And so I love the language that is used here um, from the psalmist. As you think of a mountain, which is very, very sturdy, it, it just, it's there and it's powerful. And God uses, the, the, the psalmist through the Holy Spirit uses this metaphor or this picture that they that trust in the Lord... Those whose confidence is in the Lord. Those who are, um, I love one definition I found of trust is to be careless. Not careless, like just not, not thinking about what I'm doing. But no, I'm putting my anxieties and my cares and my worries, I'm giving them up to the Lord. So those whose confidence is in the Lord, those who are trusting in the Lord, those who are seeking to follow hard after the Lord, as Psalm 63 would say, you are like, uh, or the Lord is like uh, Mount Zion. He surrounds you. Um, I love. There are there is the Mount of the Mount of Olives, the Mount Olivet, and then Mount Zion, which surrounded Jerusalem. And now we know eventually, because of, of rebellion, that Jerusalem eventually fell. But let me assure you, believer in Jesus Christ, that you will never fall out of God's grace that causes you to, that preserves you and causes you to persevere and to, as Brother Zach would say, to keep on keeping on. I love the hymn that says, the righteous shall hold on their way. Be sure it's not because we grit our teeth and we put our... Uh, carry ourselves up by our bootstraps, but it is because of the protection that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 62, the psalmist says, this always gives gives me much encouragement, and I pray that it will for you too. The psalmist says, truly, Psalm 62, truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. He would say in Psalm 62, 6, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. We hear the story. We sing it almost every Wednesday night, kids. The uh, Towards the end of... of um, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, when Jesus says those who take heed to Him are like the wise man. And where does the, what does the wise man build his house on? Kids, 12 and under, what does he build his house on? The wise man, a rock. And the winds come, and the waves come, and they come crashing, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, and there's heavy hurricane-like winds. What happens to that rock, that wise man that builds his house on the rock? It stays there. 
What about the foolish man who builds his house on sand, on sinking sand, and the same storms come? What happens to the foolish man's house? Boom! It's destroyed. Well, obviously, what is that rock? That rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is our foundation? Where is our foundation? Where is your foundation? My plea, my encouragement to you, exhortation to you, is have your sure foundation in trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. I won't take the time to turn here, but in 2 Samuel chapter 5, when David is anointed king of Israel... Uh, At the time, Jerusalem or Zion was inhabited by the heathen and very cocky Jebusites. And uh, David and his men proceeded to march on Jerusalem and take it over. But they were met by the cocky Jebusites who, who sort of taunted David and didn't think he could come and take it. Well, we know that God was with David. He overtook Jerusalem. He fortified the city and it became Mount Zion, which was known as the city of David or the city of God. Well, the spiritual Mount Zion, it sometimes is known as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redeemed people of God. So if you today are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. You want to know why? Because the leader, the head of Mount Zion, is the, what he is known as the chief cornerstone in 1 Peter. That is Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against the people of Jesus Christ. We should have confidence. This is a promise of protection for the righteous. The promise of protection for believers in Jesus Christ. You know, kind of like the wise man and the foolish man, but I just think of our world today is... There's many thoughts that come to mind, but one, one thought that comes to my mind is there's just a lack of stability. Nothing is stable. Goalposts are constantly being moved leftward. Um, things are changing. There's no, so, some say there's no such thing as absolute truth, even though, of course, that's an absolute statement. Um, but but there, there's nothing is uh, sacred anymore. Nothing is stable anymore. But, oh, brothers and sisters, when you go back to the Word of God, and then I see this, as the mountains, and you think of the mount, I think of mount, the Mount of Olives I was just talking about, and the, the uh, Mount Zion that surrounds Jerusalem. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people from henceforth even forever. There's an old country song that says, forever is a long, long time. (laughs) It is. God surrounds His people. I love sometimes when there's a storm or when it's dark at night and my children may get scared and they run into Daddy's arms because they know there's safety in Daddy's arms. Well, in reality, I'm a sinful, frail man. But I love the picture we run. I love. I wasn't here, but I, I watched it. Um, Brother Tony and Tal up here, and Brother Tony talking about when Tal gets scared. What does he do? He turns on the Bible and listens to God's word to comfort him and help him go to sleep. Listen, 
earthly fathers will fail. Earthly fathers will fail you. But God, your heavenly Father, will never fail. Psalm 34, verse 7. This is a psalm that David wrote. If you remember camp last year, the whole theme of camp was based from Psalm 34. David wrote this pretty soon after. He was in the land of Goliath, uh, Gath, I believe it's called, uh, in a place he shouldn't have been. And probably God used to save his life, God used David to have spit all over his beard and to be scratching walls like a complete crazy man that you would think is on the corner here in, in the streets of Memphis. Yet God used that, God used the foolishness of David to save his life. And that's when David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. On Psalm 34, verse 7, it says that the, David says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Don't you think about that picture? God sets up camp around his people. Around believers in Jesus Christ, God sets up camp around you. And his God, I, I like to say this a, God, a lot. I love competing. I love, you know, playing basketball and sports. Has God ever lost? Even when, when Jesus died, when the God-man died, He won. So when God sets camp round about you, you cannot lose. Verse 3. I'm still under the first heading of the promise of protection for the righteous. Verse 3 says, For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands into iniquity. This is a great promise. But what it's not saying, it's not saying those who are righteous will never have any trouble. The, the, uh, those who are righteous will never feel the rod of the wicked or feel the effects of the rod of the wicked. This does not in any way imply that believers are exempt from trial. We know better than that, right? If you have lived for just a little while, you have gone through trial, or you see, um, I think of, of what James says, that, that the trial of, of your faith worketh patience. God uses trials in your life. I think of Asaph in Psalm 73, when he gets so down, he gets so disoriented that for a while he... Um, regrets living a pure life. Maybe I've, I've cleansed my hands uh, in vain. Maybe I've lived a pure life in vain. Maybe it's all for naught. Why? Because the wicked seem to always be prospering. Matter of fact, let me turn and just, just listen to this, this language from a man who, um, who the rod of the wicked was on him. He felt the effects of the rod of the wicked for a while. And listen to what he says. He says, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. This is the man who was envious at the wicked. Why? Because there are no bans in their death. It seems like they, even when they die, they die in peace. They don't get martyred like, like Christians. But their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. 
Then he would go on and say in verse 13, Verily I've cleansed my, hand, my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Or this is all for naught. This life of, of sanctification, this life of godliness. Why? Because the envy, the, uh, the foolish are prospering. Well then what does he say though in verse 17 of Psalm 73? Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then saw I their end. He had to go in the sanctuary of God, probably the sanctuary of prayer, and the sanctuary of, of being with God's people and worshiping. Then saw he the end of the wicked. Then it would go on in Psalm 73 and describe the end of the wicked and the destruction of the wicked. And so all that to say is, is that this is a true promise. This is a true promise in Psalm 125. The rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. But what is, what is the key here? Well, Paul would say in, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, we all know this, There hath no temptation or testing taken you, but such as is common to man. But here's the key. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. God is faithful, that though you will, you have and will, Feel the effects of the rod of the wicked. God is faithful to, to help you to be able to bear that. Obviously, ultimately in eternity, but also here and now. God does not leave you, believer in Jesus Christ. You Listen to this quote from, from Charles Spurgeon on this. This is such an encouragement. I share this with Brother Zach, and he, just, he loved it too. He says, Egypt's rod was exceeding heavy upon Israel. But the time came for it to be broken. Listen to this. God has a set limit to the woes of His chosen. The rod may light on their portion, but it shall not rest upon it. God has a set limit. Brother and sister who are struggling right now, believers in, in India and other places that are being martyred and are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, God has a set limit on their woe. Remember the end of the story that the uh, head of the serpent has been crushed, that Jesus wins and that Satan loses, and that through the testings, through the effects of the rod of the wicked, the lot of the righteous, the righteous, those who have been made righteous by the imputed blood of Jesus Christ, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has been imputed to your account, believer in Jesus Christ, he is making you stronger. That's what James would say. The trial of your faith, faith worketh patience. It exercises those endurance muscles that we probably don't want exercise at times. Lord, I, I don't want to pray for patience anymore. Well, God knows we need it. And He surrounds His people. In the midst of the effects of the rod of the wicked, He surrounds His people. He encamps around His people. So my question would be, before I move on, my question would be, what are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? We love to sing the song from Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. What are you trusting in? Of course, all of us today, myself included, would say, I trust God. I trust in the Lord. But what about 
Maybe if you lose your job, maybe you get laid off, maybe a loved one has been stricken with cancer, a death of a loved one. Maybe there's leaders that are, have been elected that are um, pushing agendas that are utterly antithetical to Scripture. Do we still trust in the Lord? You know, it can be so easy. I find myself doing it at times, and I have to constantly reorient my mind like Asaph had to do. I constantly find myself at times walking by sight instead of by faith. Brothers and sisters, may we walk by faith and not by sight. May we believe God's word. That is the truth. That they, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people from henceforth even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands into iniquity. Again, Asaph went through a, a season. He went through a season where he, he, he was disoriented. And I know you, I know it's not if, but it's when you and I go through seasons and maybe we're disoriented. We need to get reoriented back to God's Word and His promises to His people. Verse 4, I call, just call this a prayer for the upright. A prayer for the upright. I love this. I love, I love what he prays here. He says, Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good. To do good is to sh- please show favor. Show favor, O Lord. Unto those that be good. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. Guess what? You and I and the psalmist have no business praying that prayer in your own merit. I mean, shame on you and shame on me to enter into the presence of a thrice holy God that we sang about this morning and pray that prayer. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good. But praise the Lord. Hebrews 10.19 would say, Believer in Jesus Christ, you can enter in boldly into God's throne, to the, whole, the God of the universe, the thrice holy God of the universe. You can enter into His throne room in a bold way, not an irreverent way, but simply with confidence, without reservation. You can enter into His presence boldly through the blood of Jesus Christ. No, you're not righteous. I'm not righteous by my own merit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is Christ's blood that has made you righteous. And because of that, you can pray this prayer. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good. And and to those that be good, it simply means people who are trying to sincerely follow the Lord. That's what it means. Those that be good, of course we know there's none ultimately good, no, not one. But somebody, Lord, I'm trying, I know I'm failing. I'm trying to sincerely follow hard after the Lord. I'm trying to um, live in a way that you would have me to live, trying to be faithful, messing up, having to repent. Do good, O Lord. Show favor, O Lord. Praise God for those prayers. Praise God that we can take with us words like that. And we can enter into God's presence and say, Lord, do good unto those that be good. And yes, Lord, I'm, I know I'm only good or considered good by the blood, precious blood of your son, Jesus Christ, who was made to be sin for you, believer. 
He who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we can be considered good or righteous or upright. Do good unto those that be good and unto them that are upright in their hearts. You know what's a great promise too? Is that it's a guarantee that God is going to say yes to this prayer. Now, it may not be in a way that we like, but God is going to say yes to that prayer. God does good for His people. Sometimes that means He allows suffering to happen. Not sometimes, it will happen. Some more than others. But God is going to say yes to that prayer. You can rest in that promise. You can rest in that assurance. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these basic necessities that you need will be added unto you. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Like I said a few months ago, of course, those desires are going to be changed. Our desires are going to be godly desires. Psalm 73, 1. Asaph starts that psalm this way. He says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as of a clean heart. Psalm 84, 11. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Praise God for that promise for the upright. That you can pray that prayer, believer in Jesus Christ. You can pray that prayer boldly. You pray that through the blood of Jesus Christ, and then God is guaranteed to say yes to that prayer. Maybe not in a way that we like it, like I said, but in a way that we need, in a way that will bring Him glory. And then finally, finally is a warning to the wicked, to those who may be straying. And then one final promise of peace. He says in verse 5, As for such as turn aside into their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel. You know, this is actually this is a very encouraging, but this is also a very sobering verse. So not only, I believe, not only is the psalmist talking about just those who are just given over, to wickedness, just given over to carnal minds. Um, of course, yes, they they will be they will be led forth with workers of iniquity. They will be um, destroyed. God will will give them their just lot. But I believe He's also talking about those who have, for a time, seemed to be walking with the Lord, who seem to be showing uh, signs of uh, interest in the things of God, and yet have fallen away. And I think, of, I think of the Apostle Paul and some of his ministry companions. You remember Hymenaeus and Alexander. For a while it seemed like they were, they were with Paul, but then at the end, what does he say? They did me much evil. And then Demas, who for a time was walking with Paul and trying to uh, seem like for a while following Jesus Christ, but then at the end of Paul's life, Demas forsook him. You think of Judas Iscariot, of course, at least to the disciples he was, he was a friend of Jesus. And then, of course, we know what happened to Judas Iscariot. We can think of maybe many evangelical leaders for, for a while who have um, seemed to be a, a voice for good but have sadly fallen away. He says, As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. Well, lest we become brash and self-confident and 
think, well, that's not talking about me. That's talking about those who have fallen away. Brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded every day, not, not, to, live, not to live in a way that we're scared all the time that oh, I'm going to fall, but we do need to take heed if we think we stand, lest we fall. We, he, taught, he said this morning, we need to, to put on a mind, of, have a lowly mind, have a, a mind that is humble, that is covered, that is clothed with humility, lest we fall, lest we are led away in our crooked ways, lest we for a while may be like Asaph and envy the wicked and think this, this whole Christian life is in vain. It's not worth it. It's not fun. Let that not be said of us. May we ask God, may we ask God, Lord, you see my heart anyway. I think of, um, yeah, every, uh, Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. May we ask God, Lord, you know my heart, search my heart, lead me in the way everlasting. Get rid of the dross, that the dross of sin that's in my heart that's leading me away from you. I think of dross, and I think of infection. I've talked about this before, and it may be a little gross, but it is a great sermon analogy, and it's true, is the infection that you can get. Maybe staph infection or, or whatever kind of infection. I've dealt with ingrown toenails recently. And uh, it can be very, very painful. And in order to get rid of the infection, it's a very, it can be a very, very painful process. Sometimes it even has to be cut out. And you think, man, that hurts. That's not worth it. But think about what could happen if you didn't cut out that infection. It would just get worse and worse and worse. You may have to amputate a body part or something like that. That's the truth. Lord, purge out. Yes, I know it hurts. Purge out that dross in me. I don't want to turn aside into crooked ways and be led forth with workers of iniquity. But then finally, the title of the message, this one final promise of peace. Praise God. Peace is upon Israel. Peace shall be upon Israel. And again, that is simply talking about the redeemed family of God, spiritual Israel. Paul would call them in Galatians the Israel of God. Brother and sister, that's you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that is you. One of the... Um, well, just thinking about um, Brother Isaac talking about the, uh, the suicide epidemic and the just depression epidemic and, and largely... Um, due to, to uh, being addicted to social media and addicted to our phones and things like that. And I, am, and, and I think about the drug epi- epidemic and other things as well. And one thing that I think about, one thing that constantly I come back to, and even in just some, a few interactions that I've had with, with people who have been given over to drugs and, and things like that and other things, it just utter immorality. And I see people that are completely insecure and unhappy and searching for peace, searching for satisfaction. And yet, they keep on looking, 
keep on trying, keep on, maybe a little bit more will give me that. Just like Rockefeller said, how much is enough money? Just a little bit more. And yet, it leads to utter destruction. It leads to utter hopelessness. Even non-Christians are seeing this, seeing that, that there's something wrong here. People are killing themselves or harming themselves. There's something wrong here. Now, we know the answer. We have the solution, praise God. And the solution is found in Jesus Christ. You know, one of the definitions for peace is completeness, to be complete. And that's it. People, people want to be complete. Everybody's looking to be complete, to be whole. That is only found in the one who was chastised. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. For your peace, Jesus Christ had to go through a time of, of not peace, for lack of a better, better way to phrase it. Jesus Christ willingly gave of himself, willingly humiliated himself to become a human, yet without sin, and to be reviled, and to, um, uh, what does it say in, in Galatians? He, he, was, he, was, uh, he became a curse. He was, we were redeemed. Curse of the law, yes, thank you. And because of that, there is perfect peace for you, believer in Jesus Christ, whose mind has stayed on Him because you trust in Him. I've referenced it, but let me read what Paul says in his closing remarks in Galatians chapter 6. He says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision, circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature, or a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. That's where peace is found. And so, believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged. There's promises here for you. And God keeps His promises. There's promises here for you. And so be encouraged. Keep trusting in the unchanging King of Kings. But again, just simply, if you're here and you've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, maybe you you think, of course, I come to church, I I believe in God. Um, Just know that there is no completeness, there is no peace outside of Jesus Christ who surrounds His people, who sets up camp around His people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your promises. I thank You that peace shall be, is, and shall be upon Your people. Lord, I pray that You would bless us in this world Bless us to uh, cultivate a heart of deeper, deeper trust in You, Lord, of, of confidence in You, that we would give our cares over to You. Lord, bless us to hold on our way as it is, to keep persevering, to endure in this, in this life. 
And Lord, I pray for those who may be searching, who, who are not at peace but are searching. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would You come into their hearts and cause them to run after You, run to You, because you, um, you will not turn them away. Lord, I pray for those who are not really searching, just living life. I've been there. Lord, I pray that You would rescue them and, and, and show them what true peace is. Lord, bless this church and everybody represented here tonight. Lord, bless us too in everything we do, whether we eat, drink, work, play, whatever we do. May we do it all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking while I was sitting there that when I was younger, the most challenging messages were those with the rules, you know, the rules, the law, because uh, your heart wants to go your own way, rebel against it. As I grow older, the most challenging message, one of the greatest challenges are the promises at times. It's the challenge to believe, to believe what God has said. And that's really a simple but profound promise there, that, that those who trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion. The Lord, I don't feel like a mountain. I feel very movable. I feel very unstable at times. Um, but the promise in Christ of God's protection, uh, in, in everything he said, God's protection, God's care, God's, uh, God's faithfulness to his covenant, that those who trust in the Lord are going to have peace. Those who do not, don't trust in the Lord are going to have the rod of justice upon them. So the call to all of us is to faith tonight, to trust what God has said, to believe his promises. And we need help with that, don't we? We need grace for that, help for that. God, help us to believe and help our unbelief.